Hey guys, what's going on? This is David Avalon, and welcome to another edition of the Breaking the Guard podcast with me and Robert Drysdale. On today's show, we are having one of our dear friends, Australian funny man, jiu-jitsu extraordinaire, and actor Kit Dale. Kit Dale, uh, I got to know him really well when he was preparing for the ADCC 2017 World Championships. Uh, we actually only had spoken online and he was looking for a good place to train. So I invited him over to Las Vegas and he stayed here for about a month living with me. So we got to know each other really well and he's known Robert uh, for quite a while. So this is a fun episode. We go into the origins of Kit Dale and his unique methodology for teaching and learning and um, going through you know his anti-drilling <laughs> stance, which isn't as strong as you might think it is. And uh, I think he provides a very unique approach uh, into learning jiu-jitsu, which is going to be valuable for everybody, whether you're just starting off or you're a black belt. There's something to be learned from Kid Dale, who's done quite a lot in the sport in a short amount of time. So I hope you enjoy the show. Go ahead and stay tuned. And before we get started, we're going to give a shout out to our sponsor for the day, which is going to be Kid Dale. <laughs> he has a new product coming out which I'm excited to see, which is called The Art of Mastering Jiu-Jitsu. Now, Kit has released a bunch of different courses that have done really well. He's sold over 10,000-something courses, I believe, on his Art of Learning Jiu-Jitsu. It's a very popular course. And where most instructional courses are trying to teach you a specific technique or set of techniques, Kit doesn't focus on that. He is trying to teach you how to learn uh, techniques better and also how to understand the underlying concepts behind what makes a technique work. So that approach is again very different than what everybody else is offering. So uh, and don't get mistaken, Kid Dell shows a lot of cool techniques on his courses as well, but the emphasis is on learning the concepts behind what makes a technique work so that you can manipulate it and make it your own and uh, learn how to innovate. You know, then I think that's where you have the most fun when you're doing martial arts is when you start creating your own style. And that can only come from understanding what works rather than just copying what other people are doing. So uh, the art of mastering jiu-jitsu is now uh, available and you could check it out. You can go to kitdaletraining.com and um, we'll put a link in the description for the uh, that will take you right to the order page for the art of mastering jiu-jitsu, which is his newest course. You'll definitely want to check it out. Like I said, you can collect all these other courses, and they're very good. I'm not obviously I do Kimura trap system, other like technique systems and whatnot. But what he's showing is very different, so it's it's going to be worth your time and money to check it out, and it'll save you a lot of heartache. You know, particularly if you're someone who's kind of hit a plateau and you're not really gaining. You probably need a new approach, and what Kid Dale is going to be offering you is definitely a new approach. So go ahead, go to kiddaletraining.com to learn more about it, or visit the, the description so that you can get the link. Hey guys, what's going on? David Avalon here with Robert Drysdale, and with our special guest, Kid Dale, coming all the way from... Los Angeles. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Thank you. Good to have you. Kit's been a long, uh, long time friend of ours. Uh, he's done. Uh, I think the last ADCC 
you you prepared at the gym, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And uh, I've known Kip for a while now. It's always fun to watch him, um, you know, watch his stunts online, watch his career developing from a grappler to a movie star. That's Acting. pretty cool. He's, yeah, come on. He's getting there, man, you know. And, um, yeah, a lot of fun, man. So, um, Kit, tell us a little bit about your, your journey, like, um, you know, how you got here. What was the vision when you first started? Like, how much has that vision changed? Like, more like the like the background of Kit Dale. Okay, well, uh, I'll start with when I was a kid, we started uh, – I watched a lot of Bruce Lee movies, so my uncle used to sit me down and, and tell me about that, and I would pretty much sit there in the shed practicing anything Bruce Lee did, and so I always liked martial arts. I got into karate when I was younger, and then uh, my dad was a big Aussie Rules fan, so he paid me $20 to quit uh, karate just before I was about to go for my blue belt too. <laughs> he, he paid you 20 bucks yeah, to quit? he paid me $20 That's to great. quit and uh, to play Australian Rules football, yeah. and I started playing that, but I was a little bit... I was very um, immature physically as well as mentally, and uh, I I was I was a lot smaller than most of the kids, so I was I was quite shy, and uh, it took me a while to sort of find my feet with sport, and I, I think until I was about 18 years old, I didn't really do well in football, and then I started doing very well, yeah. and uh, I, I ended up playing for one of the best uh, first division teams in the country, and I had opportunities to start going higher, uh, VFL, which is just under AFL, which is the highest level offered me to come and uh, play with them. And I was kind of at that stage when I decided to move in towards jiu-jitsu, which I, I just started. I was getting beaten up a little bit by some of the bigger players in the league. And I was probably, I was 21, 22 at that age. And I wanted to learn how to defend myself because I was always petrified of any kind of fight. If there was a fight on the, you know, on the field, like I was nowhere near it. Or if I was, <laughs> I was kind of like hiding behind other people and stuff. So I wanted to uh, learn how to protect myself. So I found a, a mixed martial arts gym near where I was working and I started training with that. And then we did a little bit of jujitsu and I thought I was going to destroy these, these dudes because they were little, little, uh, you know, Johnny pencil pusher looking types and they destroyed me. So I was like, you know, I really need to learn this. And, uh, and then about a couple months later, I entered, no, I didn't enter a tournament. I watched a tournament. I had no idea there was even tournaments for jiu-jitsu. I watched a tournament and there was a guy that was a white belt that was around the same level as me and he won the tournament as a white belt. So I was thinking, fuck, if he can win it, you know, I should be able to win this as well. You know, technically, I did win that if I beat him. So I, uh, I started competing and uh, the more I competed, the more I enjoyed it. I ended up quitting football to, to pursue jiu-jitsu. And at first, it was just a goal of, I, I thought, you know, if I train really hard in 10 years, I could have my own academy and not have to work again. And that would be, you know, very good for me. I hated working. Um, it doesn't work that way, does yeah, it? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has that idea. You yeah. not work ever and just, like, train all day until, like, yeah. reality kicks in. And uh, and I, I had a little bit of a unique start to jiu-jitsu. I think I was very, I'm actually really lazy as a person. Unless I'm really interested in what I'm doing, I'm very yeah. lazy. And I hated the, which we'll get into a little bit, uh, I hated the technique side of training. I didn't mind learning the technique. I just didn't like having to repeat it so often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I would like to practice it, you know, five or six times and then get the idea. Then I wanted to try and implement it in, in live training. So I tended to stay out of the technique side of stuff. And I, I kind of get there and sit on my phone or wait or just purposely come a little bit late. And then I would get straight into the specific training, where, which would, you know, someone's got to try and pass your guard or you've got to try right. and sweep them and you just keep going like that. And I, I spent most of my training doing that and then a little bit of free rolling at the end. But it was only really like 35 to 40 minutes of rolling that I would do per session, you know, uh, one to three 
no, I think it was like one to five times a week, depending yeah, on yeah. work and football and stuff. Um, so, and I noticed I started doing really well really quickly and we're trying to figure it out. It didn't really make much sense to us because I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, okay, everyone else is doing like the drills and stuff like that. They're drilling heaps. They're doing a lot more work than me. So most usually training more than me, but I, I seem to be excelling quicker. And we had no idea why, but I, I kept going on like that. I ended up like I won the blue belt Abu Dhabi world championship that year, the purple belt the year after I got silver at the brown belt the year after that. And then I went black belt. And it wasn't until after that that I kind of realized that uh, I started looking at case studies for for motor learning and stuff like that for any kind of skill acquisition that I realized why I was excelling a lot quicker compared to people that were looking at it a bit more traditionally. Um, so I ended up figuring all that kind of stuff out and, uh, and then since then I started teaching more and I stepped out away from the competitive side of jiu-jitsu probably 2014. I kind of... I don't know if I, I just felt like for where I was and I was competing at high level black belt and I was doing well. Like I would get to like the semifinals of the worlds and that was about it, but I wasn't losing by much. I would be like to a five time world champion where I yeah. you know, lose by an advantage or a sweep or something. And I felt like for me to get to the next level, I need to do a lot of cardio and a lot of physical work, which I don't really enjoy doing. And I thought, you know, I, I, I liked acting and ever since I was a little kid, uh, we used to film like little funny skits. Me and my brother's got a little camera and we would do a lot of comedy stuff, uh, a lot of fight stuff, Star Wars, wrestling. And I thought, you know, I wouldn't mind getting more. And it was actually, it was just as I hurt my knee too. I, I hurt my knee. I went back to Australian rules football for like a season to try and, after I quit jiu-jitsu in 2000, I think it was the start of 2015, hurt my knee and thought, okay, I can't do jiu-jitsu for at least a year or two because I didn't have the money to, to have a knee reconstruction. I didn't have health insurance. So I had to kind of wait. I ended up getting into movies. I was really lucky. I, uh, I got a big role in a feature film quite qu quickly, which paid for my knee reconstruction and uh, I got my knee fixed. And then I decided to work more in teaching jiu-jitsu online, uh, which I started my thekitdeltraining.com. And stepped, I still compete in jiu-jitsu like I was, but it was not like a competitor competes. You know, I would like, I think the best training I had was when I come and train with you guys for ADCC. Uh, and that was probably three weeks of yeah. training, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so I, still I was still competing, and I still do compete, but it's, you know, wherever I can get the training and then, yeah. and then competing and stuff. Um, I was going to ask you, like, you, going back to the beginning, you said, you know, you started as a child, you were very interested in Bruce Lee, and, you know, you can see that there is a leaning towards combat. Like, you, you were, you know, you felt like a call in that direction. I remember as a child, it was the same thing. It was Van Damme and Bruce Lee mm -hmm. and... You know, I did some hap keto like you when I was a kid, but I couldn't quite get into it. It was too much drilling, and I hated that, like punches in front of the mirrors. I'm like, what is this? I wanted to fight, you know? And then it wasn't until I found Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as a teenager, right? So I guess, like, what I'm trying to get at is this, like, nature-nurture discussion that is so relevant to sports and martial arts. How do you feel about that in regards to, you know, you and your – because you were in an environment that's, like, Australians are not known – and now they are, like, it's picking up with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but it's never yeah. been – it's not Brazil or the U.S., right? It's always been, like, you know, especially Brazil. It's always been – for years it's been huge, right? But, you know, you had you had a leaning towards martial arts, yeah. right? Yeah. How much do you believe that is part of Kit Dale or is it more, more like a trend, this is cool? Like, how do you feel about that? No, I think it was a huge part of 
of nurture it, because it wasn't big in Australia. There was no way I was going to discover jiu-jitsu without you know stumbling upon it the way I did. Yeah. And if it wasn't for my uncle, that was a, a huge influence on me. Um, I had two uncles really that, and they filmed a lot of their own martial arts, and that, they were quite good at what they did. You know, there was a lot of like flashier stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that kind of training and. They were my heroes, so I was always practicing that kind of stuff. I was the same. I loved Van Damme, yeah. and you know, I can't remember the other the other ones, but whoever it was, and I really enjoyed that. And because I was very insecure as a person, I think I, I really leaned into the martial arts because it made me feel a little bit more confident. Yeah. Um, I did dabble in some striking as well, but I didn't like getting punched in the head <laughs> much, so I, I, I tended to, to prefer the grappling side of things. But any family function I went to, there was always a wrestle. Like yeah. it was me, I had two younger brothers, one's a year and 10 months younger than me, the other one's three years younger. I had cousins like a year older, two years older, three years older, and we're all very similar uh, build. So any function we went to, it's like, okay, we're wrestling and yeah. that's it. So it was very easy for me to, to, to go the martial arts route, but it was very accidental that I stumbled upon jujitsu because it yeah. was very small in Australia at that time, I think. And what year was that? That would have been 2008. Uh, and I think the only one I heard of that was doing jiu-jitsu was, was an MMA fighter. Elvis Anosik? Not, well, I did hear about him. There was yeah. one other as well, George Sotoropoulos. Oh, okay, yep, yep, yep. And so when I started, he was like the one they were talking about, like George was a killer and he's doing this. And this was before he made his run through UFC. Um, so I, I had a huge part to do with my, you know, my upbringing and stuff. Otherwise, there's no way I would have, I mean, it would have been very rare that I would discover jiu-jitsu because, it, like I said, at that time, it was very small. In Australia now, it's much bigger. And, and there's, a, there's a few guys like Craig and Lachlan that are doing really well leading the way. And Levi as well, Levi Jones, I think, it's, I think it's Levi Jones. I didn't know he was, he was Australian for the longest time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He, he, I think he moved to New York about three years ago. He yeah. was training with the, the... Unity. Unity. So a lot of people didn't know that. But no, he was really good for a long time. He was coming through. He was similar to Craig. We knew he was really good for a long time, yeah. and then and he got his black belt. Up, yeah. and just, he uh, beat uh, Lucas Lepre at the um, Europeans this year, yeah. which Lucas like very rarely loses in his division. It's a huge mm -hmm. win. Mm -hmm. right. Nah, he's really good, really tough. I think he'll, he'll, he'll continue to do well. I think he's very young, right? motivated yeah. and inspired and young. So how do you feel about like the, the, like the jiu-jitsu scene in Australia? We're, we're seeing this... It seems to be like like yeah like like Craig and Lachlan and yourself and like Levi and whatever, uh, the overall, you know, scene in, in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu scene in Australia. What is it? What is it looking like? How do you feel about it? Well, it's looking good at the moment. I, I think it's just going to keep getting better and better. I think uh, I think Australians are along the same level as athleticism as most you know tough countries. Um, I think most of them were convicts, so they're, <laughs> they're used to running and stuff like that. You know? But uh, we, uh, I think physically we're, we're quite well, we're a tough uh, nation, and a lot of them, other than me, don't shy away from hard work. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think because of, I, I think earlier on myself, uh, Craig and Lachlan doing really well in Levi, it's given a lot of people a lot of confidence and a lot of yeah. motivation where they didn't have that for a long time. Yeah. And uh, I think with the, you know, the age of information that we have now online, it's really easy for anyone to, to get up to date with what's going on. I think like I remember when I first started, 
when I was doing martial arts back in the day, I was doing nunchucks as well. I used to look up uh, nunchuck videos. And there was yeah. only one guy that had like videos of nunchucks online. And it yeah. was so like, it was like three megapixels or something. Yeah. Like, not even megapixels, <laughs> like three pixels. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out what he was doing. Yeah. So now it's a lot easier to go online. There's so many good instructionals yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. I think they're going to continue to do really well. So like, how did you get connected with Lachlan and with Craig? Did you start off at the same school or was that later down the road that... No. So Craig, uh, Craig was from South Australia and he came into it much later. Uh, Lachlan I met when I was a white belt originally. He was a brown belt. And I saw him at the first ever competition I did. It was like an in-house tournament and, uh, and Lachlan was there. So I remember there was another brown belt I knew and he was really good. And they said, oh, this guy's really good. And they were talking about Lachlan. So that was the first time I met him. By the time I got to Purple Belt, he got in contact with me and said, Let, let's, we should start training. We were from different academies. So we got together and we would train you know, once or twice a week and just roll. And, uh, and then I ended up, we, we continued to train until about Black Belt. I had an academy that I was teaching at as a Black Belt. And it was at the same time I kind of got burnt out and I really wanted to move away from Jiu-Jitsu for a while. And I left that academy for Lachlan to take over. So that's what Absolute uh, MMA is right now. It was originally... I can't even remember what we called it. Uh, it was something. <laughs> yeah, I remember you opening the gym, and you know, I remember you had like the 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 the, the sticker, the, the plaque on the wall, like yes, yes. And then I worked with Affinity with uh, what's his name, um, Brad Big Dome. They call him Big Dome in Brazil. Is it Brad Owen? Uh, no, they. Got uh, a seminary school a while ago. Can't remember. <laughs> Greg uh, Neil. 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 Neil yeah, great guy. Yeah. And uh, but then you you had that that sticker on the wall says like no drilling yeah I remember yeah. <laughs> like I just thought it was funny because like I was because I, I feel the same way you do about this and when the whole drilling thing started I remember how it started like you got to drill 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 right and I'm going the people are talking about drill I'm not going to mention names but people are writing books on drilling I know them for a fact I've trained with them for years in Brazil and I've never seen them drill yeah, I, I, I think it's but it's it's I don't I'm not you know we're, we're going to talk a bit more about this but. I always thought it was they're, 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 it's not a necessary and elementary number to the equation. No, I think that there's room for it, and I like some aspects of it. But uh, where did this come from? Like, how do you? Wh why is you so? Why are you so critical of drilling? Well, after I, well, like I said, when I was going from white to black belt, so I went from white to black belt in about four years with no prior grappling experience. I was trying to figure out, okay, how can I do this, and let's try and replicate the same results. And then when I started looking at case studies, I started discovering that drilling had very little impact in progression. If not, it was more detrimental to progression than what it was <coughs> beneficial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allergic to this. It was like a little bullshit. This is all bullshit. It's hard to hear this. I started looking at case studies, and, yeah. and I'll explain a little bit about how they went. And... They're basically showing that, uh, and I understand why people do it. And I think for some for some sports and for some areas of work, they're, they're great for. for. For like if you're on an assembly line or something where you've got to continue to do the same thing over and over again, it's the perfect way of learning because yeah. you don't want to be thinking. You just want to react yeah, really yeah, quickly. Yeah. Uh, in something like jiu-jitsu that's highly, you know, multi-complex with different people, different personalities, I don't think you're ever going to see the same position exactly twice. There'll be yeah. very similar variations, but they're always going to be very different. Yeah. Um, so anything that's mu like made for muscle memory is great. And I think certain areas like wrestling, like learning how to shoot really quick and stuff like that, I think it can be beneficial for just to, to start off with just to get that movement and stuff yeah. like that. But jujitsu, without the wrestling, there's not a lot of, a lot of that isn't necessary because a lot of it's not speed based. 
you know, it's timing based and it's, a lot of it's very slow and it's methodical. Um, but the, I understand why people go into that because when you, let's say you go from not knowing a technique to practicing a technique, you start off really bad and then you practice it more and more and you can start seeing tangible progression in your ability to uh, perform that technique with a, you know, with a cooperating partner. And you see the progression, it feels like, okay, I'm getting better and getting better at something. But you don't realize that the, the, the crossover into actual skill you know, acquisition and training isn't like there. Yeah. And this, the case studies showed that they, they did, uh, there's like four or five different studies on this. One was basketball, one was hand, a certain hand movement, one was golf, one was baseball. Um, and basically what happened is they would get, I'll tell you the basketball one, they had two groups separated and one group practiced uh I think it's called a free throw. Is it yeah. a free throw yeah. from the the the, I the saw yep. You saw it. So okay. And the other group start, uh, did it from multiple areas. Yeah. And during the uh, training, they they were all tested at the end. And the group that were doing the uh, specific the, the uh, yes. So the group that was doing the the one from the one area, they had a little bit better progression during training than the other group. It was pretty much under them like yeah. that. And then they tested it the next day, and the group that was just doing what you would call the drilling of the same yeah. technique went down about 60%, and the other group continued to go up. Yeah. And what they kind of discovered is that when you're doing any kind of exercise, you're doing four things. You are analyzing the situation. Let's say for basketball, you're looking at the distance of the ring, You know, depending on how, how tall you are, yeah. if there's any wind. There's an know. equation going on. Yes, and you've got to figure that out. And then you come up with a solution. Okay, I'm going to execute it using about this much strength and yeah. you know, whatever it is. And then you shoot it, and then you, uh, and then you evaluate how you went. Was it a little bit short? Okay, it's a little bit short. So you take that information and you start again you with new information. You learn how to calibrate. Yes, yeah. and you do that for the first three or four until you get one. And then from then on, all you're doing is continuing the body movement. So you're learning the motor functions of it, but there's no neurological work going on. There's no synapses because you've already figured out that equation yeah. and it's just your body. Where the other group was doing everything continuously over and over again. So they developed mentally much more than the other group. So they also developed physically, but mentally as well. So if you look at any any kind of like jujitsu, what's one of the, the one of the main things of getting good jujitsu is, you know, skill acquisition and remembering what's yeah. going on. Because if you can't remember what's going on, you're never going to progress, yeah. you know? So a big part of that is problem solving. You have to have that problem solving situation that you keep going because once you get to the end and you analyze your results, you take that information to the start and then you start again. And then you take that information to the start and your knowledge on an area just keeps growing and growing and growing. And they also discovered that your memory system is like a scaffolding system that the, the less information you have, the harder it is to learn new information because we learn by association more than anything else. Okay. It doesn't matter whether you learn physically, like uh, kinesthetically, visual, it's how you associate with that information. So if you've got no nothing to associate with what someone's teaching you, it's very hard to grasp what's going on. Yeah. And that's why good coaches like yourself use good analogies. Yeah. You, know, you use certain analogies that people know about so they can associate new information. The more information you have on something, the easier it is to learn new stuff. So I think with specific training being, I think, one of the best tools of learning, because you're in a confined environment and it's a safe place to practice something in a certain area, you're going to keep developing more and more information and understand not just like what you're doing, but why you're doing it, which is yeah. much more important than, than and, how. And, and it teaches you how to think. You know, yeah. I like going to the, the thing we're talking about, the calibration, because I saw that study and I remember drawing the same conclusions. It's like if people do things specifically, it's like they plateau because there's no stimuli. Mm -hmm. It's the variety of stimuli 
that makes you know makes you teach how to think yeah how to adapt and jiu-jitsu is a lot about improvising like you were saying no two situations like for example i can grapple with dave every day and it kind of like we do end up in the same situations over and over kind of like when we fought it was just like yeah. even then when we grapple it's like a replay the ones mm-hmm. we fought because like i can't sweep him he can't pass whatever we keep doing the same things over and over but it's never identical no it's never identical and i think that the the it's it's the variety of of stimuli and teaching your body how to think on the spot and improvise on the spot is what makes good grappling yeah yeah you know and that's not something easy to do like it's something that comes with a lot of practice and I have my doubts if the kind of drilling that people do is beneficial for that. I, I, I do like some kinds of drilling. And we can talk. I'm sure Dave knows because like, he comes from wrestling. So they, they yeah. have. And that I like. The way wrestlers drill, I like. But I see some people doing some of the, you guys. Everyone's going to recognize this. Where someone, one, one of them's laying down. The other one puts both one hand on each knee. <laughs> and they kind of skip that. left and right. Yeah. And I'm yeah. watching people do that. I'm going, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for over 20 years. <laughs> yeah. And never have I ever seen anyone, in any guard get passed that way. <laughs> 22 years of jiu-jitsu, never seen it. But people drill it and they like just skip yeah. their feet left and right. And I'm watching that. I'm going, you're just frying their nervous system. That has the benefit to your jiu-jitsu as the, the same as jogging has. Yeah. Like jogging benefits your jiu-jitsu. You're moving your feet. You get a little cardio. But mm-hmm. there's no technical improvement. No, no. Yeah. I think, and there's two things that I want to mention before I ask you about the, the American drilling. Because I, I, I work with a lot of Russians and they, I like the way they drilled as well. And it was more of a problem-solving-based ba- problem drilling. Yeah. But there's two things that are really important to understand. Uh, there was a recent study by, I'm not going to mention it, I do have it on my phone. But uh, she figured out that it takes around 400 repetitions to create synapses in the brain. But if you do it playfully, it only takes about 12. So, you know, you can practice something you know, over and over again. Or if you can do it in a playful manner, like a problem-solving manner, you're going to absorb it in yeah. a much faster time. The other big part of this, which most people don't know, is... The amygdala, which is the part of the brain called the lizard brain, that's the fight or flight part of the brain, has a huge role in storing information. It basically decides how deep to store information. It decides whether you store something for a couple you know, seconds, like if I'm on the phone with you, I need to know a code, and you tell me the code, and I can punch it in, and then seven seconds later, that code's gone. You know, that's all I need it for. But jujitsu, you want to learn, you want to retain all that information as much as you can. And they figured out that uh, the more emotionally aroused you are, the deeper you store information. So it means more. Yes. So your amygdala interprets it as more valuable information. Yes. Yeah, it makes perfect so sense. So if you look at drilling compared to specific training, there is very little emotional value in, in drilling. You're kind of doing it over again. You're yeah, just yeah, thinking yeah. about it. When you're doing specific training, there's high stakes. Yeah. You're sitting there, okay, I don't want to make mistakes. I don't want to get submitted. I don't want to, yeah. you know, or rolling either way. But it, it's much, I mean, I can guarantee if I ask both you guys, when the last three times you got submitted, you'd have a very good idea where they were. You know what I mean? Because it means something. Because it means something. Yeah. I hate it. I remember yeah, exactly. I remember like 1986. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, so I can't even wipe it. People beat me in practice. I guess store that information. Write it down in a little book. Mm-hmm. You know? But there's, there's a lot of books on it now that really yeah. explain it uh, a lot better than what I can articulate it. But it, it's an evolution of learning now, which... We pretty much used to learn everything. It's all problem solving. And, and learning to me is is a mystery in a lot of ways because I think about a class, right? I get 20 people in the class, right? I show them, let's say, an arm bar from guard, an uchimad, or whatever move. It's the same information. It's given to every single individual in that group, right? Mm-hmm. Some people get it without drilling. Mm-hmm. No one ever taught me a guillotine or a dars. Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw a guillotine. I was like, that makes perfect sense. Got mm-hmm. it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then some people, they just have a hard time absorbing information. Now, it's the same amount of data. And like, why is it that for some people that the absorption of information 
takes uh, such a higher precedence than it does over other individuals. And I think you just hit the nail on the head when you're saying it had, there's an emotional attachment to that information. It means something to you, right? Like this is important stuff. I got to learn this. Like it's the guy that thinks about Berimbolos all day, drills Berimbolos all day, watches a million videos on Berimbolos, you know, dreams about Rafael Mendes and Mike Musumesi. And then, you know, and then he's blown away that the next day he's hitting Berimbolos. I'm like, yeah. see, it's the drilling that did. It's like, no, it's the emotional attachment yes. to the move. It means, some, so, it means so much to you. You would, you would actually hold on to that information. Socrates said that. I mean, like he had a, the Socratic method, which was yeah. you know, key to learning anything, is questioning why. If you yeah. keep questioning why and you go deeper and deeper and deeper, you're going to come to a, a truth in the end and you're going to have so much knowledge on that. I remember Craig Jones, before he blew up, he would sit there and I'd come to class and he was there already and he'd be scissoring some other dude trying to figure out different <laughs> things. And he'd go like, Kit, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And like his knowledge on that was far greater than mine. So I'd be like, well, it looks, looks good to me. you know. Yeah, yeah. But he, he was consistently sitting there and trying to figure things out. And, you know, Why does this work? Why, does this, you know, why is this effective? Yeah. And I, I think if people have that that uh curiosity curiosity good that's what i'm looking for uh they're going to get good at whatever they're doing uh, whether it's acting whether whatever it is you've got to have that curious personality to under like to really think like why when i was starting i was never really too interested in how to do something you know some people you know when you teach something and someone will be like what if this happens what if that happens that was never me i was always like why would i do that you know why do we yeah. do that because i thought it was more important to figure out why are we doing that and then you can kind of figure out the timing and stuff I'm really interested to, to hear about the, the American drilling as well. Okay. So, again, wrestling, and again, I'm not like a college or a world-class wrestler. Wrestled in high school, three years. But, yeah, I've good, been to, though, but I have went to college camps and whatnot. And I have an idea of how they do it, at least. And the, for me, there's a few parts of it. One, you have just, like you're saying, you're, tr you're doing a specific drill to build speed, technique, power, right? Like, very first day of wrestling, you're doing shots all over the place and you'll do it in a variety of ways one of them you'll just do the lunge you know so if you're not familiar heel toe knee knee touch the ground power step drive and you're going to do that on the mat and then they'll give different um i guess accents to it like they'll say okay now i want you to shoot it as fast as possible and then another time i want you to shoot as deep as possible mm -hmm. so a different emphasis is what i was talking about right so we're focusing on different parts of the technique then you get a partner now do it against a partner now a partner gives you 50% resistance. Now a partner's going to do this specific counter and you're going to work against it, right? Mm -hmm. So kind of what you're talking about, the specific training, I, I, I call it situational training, right? Mm -hmm. Like we create a situation, now respond to it. And uh, I find that to be very helpful, just like you're saying, because you're getting a lot of exposure to a particular position quickly. Mm -hmm. If we were just doing free rolling, we might get there once or twice. Mm -hmm. But if I do a specific drill, now I get there 100 times in five minutes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that experience is going to allow you to innovate faster. Yeah, I, and I have no problem with that. I think that's great as well. That's not the drilling that I'm against. Yeah, you're talking about more repeating the same just thing. Just the same over. repetition. But even for a situation like that, I think it's important to do that because it's very alien position for most humans i mean most people are going to avoid sitting there on their knees because it, it, it's not very comfortable you know a lot of times i think it's important to to force someone into that position to become more comfortable for that so i, I think there's also even if you were just doing the static repetition of it there's certain things that i feel like well it's not going to be too bad because you're going to need to to get in that position there may be and i haven't even thought about it, there may be more beneficial ways of doing it but i i don't have an issue with that it's more like once someone can do it and execute it, and then they just continue to do it on and on and on. And like more for jujitsu situations that I see that bother me the most. But like 
like I feel like once you've once you can get your head around a certain position, then you've got to start playing with it live and start figuring out, like we said before, with the problem solving, start developing more information on that rather than just focusing on the technique. And I think a lot of people they fall down the wrong hole of like they they see a technique, they see you know halfway on Mendes or something do something, and they think okay if you, if you've done that that's the best technique, so I've got to do it. Yeah. But they don't realize there's so inform- there's so much information in Hafael's head as to why he's doing that. Like yeah. he's taking in so much information and then he executes that. And people see the tip of the iceberg of like, oh, that was the technique, but they don't realize that under that iceberg is this huge yeah. amount of information that they're never going to have. Yeah. So true. they kind of read the cover of the book. They practice, you know, they just keep repeating the Falls cover, the but they never yeah. read the whole fucking book. Now the drilling itself, like you just said, I, I see, you know, you do one of your sweeps and they're okay, I'm just going to do that. And I do it in a closed environment and that's all I do. Not super beneficial. I'll get better at it, but without feedback, I'm not growing. So to me, the drilling is a crucial part of the training, but it requires a feedback element, which to me is situational training or sparring. Yeah. Because I'm going to do that same technique on you, and then something's going to happen. Yeah. Maybe it works. Maybe it didn't. Maybe you countered because I messed up. And then I have to come back in and, okay, analyze, observe why did that happen, fix a mistake, and then I drill the new iteration of this move. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. to me, the idea behind drilling is to build proficiency. Mm-hmm. So you're building speed, you're building strength, you're building power. And depending on the type of drilling you do, timing can come in there as well. Mm-hmm. Right? But by itself, it's not a, a solve-all. Right? I can't just get a, a, a book and a, a sparring dummy and do techniques all day and become a world champion. Like, mm-hmm. I know I need the feedback so I can auto-correct. Yeah, yeah. You know, so to me, that's a big part of it. Now, like some stuff like you're saying, like wrestling, I think drilling is very crucial to it because of the brutal nature of wrestling. Yeah. You don't see a lot of 40-year-old wrestlers. Right? No. <laughs> right? Because, all, you know, all the throws, all the slams, and generally wrestlers don't break yeah. fall because it's not good for them. They, they get scored on if they break fall. So they're doing, what, hand posts um, behind their back, yeah. and you're going to bust a shoulder, bust an elbow. So what the drilling allows you to do is get a very good workout that's specific to the type of motions you're going to do in a live situation without the injury risk. Yeah, yeah. Because controlled. It's a controlled environment. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know what you're going to do. We're not going to, you know, like I've never been hurt drilling. You know right? And I've, I would drill for, I know this is a nightmare. <laughs> I'm telling you out here, but I would drill for like an hour on end. Yeah. And I would pick... Sounds boring. When I would prepare for ADCC, they were, I would say it was like 80% drilling, right? But it wasn't, it was one, we were focusing on specific situations, right? Like I know, okay, I need to work an attack in the back in either exposing hooks or getting a finish. Mm -hmm. So we would orchestrate a sequence. I would shoot, you would sprawl, spin, take my back, I would roll, try to get a knee bar, you would counter, and then I would do this. Mm -hmm. And it was orchestrated, but then we would do it at 100%. Yeah. So it felt like a live, but it was a lot safer because I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. You knew what was going to happen. And we would go through this sequence. And we would always vary the situation. Okay, the next day, we're going to add this twist to it. And then the next day, another twist to it. And those drill sessions were brutal. They were the most exhausting thing ever. And like you said, going into it, you're like, oh, crap. All right. Yeah, you got to really psych yourself up because... Well, a lot of people, when they drill, I know what Rob hates this too, is like, they're like, okay, and hey, you know, how was your work today? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah me yeah, too. Yeah. Like, like, no, that's BS, right? That's not drilling. Uh, you know, to me, that's 
kind of useless. To me, the drilling is 100% intensity. So you're going at it, and it would be back and forth. And we would do like 100 reps each, just boom, 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 boom. You, you know this, uh, the, the, the control thing you mentioned? Don't quote me on this because I'm, I'm no Jigoro Kano historian. But I've heard that when he, he invented katas for longevity. Yeah. He wanted when you're in the 40s, 50s, 60s, continue to practice without getting thrown on your head live all the time, which is not realistic when you reach that age, right? Yeah. So that's why he invented kata as a way to keep your technique sharp and still practice. You know, I've been using judo katas, but they're like, they're actually getting thrown, but it's all controlled, like you described. It's coordinated. Yeah. It's something that it's almost like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's a, um, you know, a coordinated sequence that we go back and forth on, right? Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. You know, I think going live is, I think wrestling and judo in general are very damaging to the body. Yeah. I think that that's one reason why they drill so much because if they went live all the time, it's kind of like tie fighting. If you went live 100% every day in tie fighting, you would have a two-year career. You'd be, yeah, you yeah. know, you'd be done. Whereas Brazilian jiu-jitsu has the advantage of I can go live with you guys 100%. And you might get hurt here and there. It's going to happen. But it's nothing like wrestling, tie boxing, some of these other mm-hmm. martial arts. Brazilian jiu-jitsu is controlled enough on the ground that you can clash with someone at a high intensity, at a high pace, and not get in, injured every day. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, with what you were saying, the, the, the fine line I find in that situation is subconsciously, we absorb information with everything we're doing. Like uh, some of it's conscious, most of it's subconscious. So if we're doing a, a, like a sequential pattern, even if you've, like, you've, you've predetermined, okay, this is what's gonna happen, it's 100%. Your body is going to absorb information in that and react according to that situation. And a lot of the time, you don't want to like, the fine line is like, you don't want to start absorbing stuff that's going to make you react in an instant the wrong way. Like, let's say he shoots for your leg and your reaction was to sprawl, he goes around your back and it does something else. But what happens if you like, you practice that so much that you start reacting like that, he shoots for your leg, he starts picking these things apart. Okay, I know when he shoots for my leg, He's practiced so much that he automatically sprawls. So I'm going to fake shoot the leg straight to the you know headlock or something right. like that. I think people can start getting figured out a lot quicker. That drill a lot more because they they have developed patterns that are you know that you don't have complete control over. And like sometimes it might be right. It might be the most uh, common situation that happens, which you know with someone that's not a like I would call a. Um, uh, a tactician, like as a specialist, and then there's like a kind of tactician. The tactician will try to figure you out. A specialist will just do what they do. Correct. And I think with the tacticians, like myself, will start trying to predict certain patterns that people do, and they start figuring that out. And for me, it's always like the longer I roll with someone, the better it's been for me because I figure those kind of patterns out. And generally, the people that drill more have more of those patterns, and I would see that. With like, you go to like different, I got to go as travel over the world and you see like there's one instructor that's like, a, he's a De La Hiva guy. Then they're all just De La Hiva guys, just under, you know, they're practicing the same thing because that's all they've been taught there or they, they just, you know, learn by example. You, you, I like, if I was to do what you were doing, what I would spend more time doing is let's say someone starts on a single leg and I'm, and then, then we go, go, go. And then I've got to try and figure it out and like try and work these things out and he, you know, takes me down or takes me down. And what I, what I found that was really beneficial with this style is every bit of the information is real. It's every, like, there's nothing, like, I'm, never, I'm not telling, okay, you do this now, I want it to be real. And to do that, you've obviously got to have good partners. I, if yeah. I was training with guys that weren't that good, I'm probably going to have to do what you were saying, okay, just sprawl like this, because this is what most people are going to yeah. do, just in yeah. case they're just flopping back. Yeah. Uh, but every bit of live information and all the whole loop of feedback is all real. 
And what I would do is I would start in their leg, and at first I would suck, and they would sprawl out of me on guillotine or whatnot. But then after a while, I'd start figuring that, oh, well, if I bring my shoulders up here, it's harder to get guillotined. If I hold my hands like this instead of like this, it's you know, easier on my arms. You know, and I, you kind of start figuring out these little things that make everything a lot easier. And then I got to the point where I know that if I get you know, 80% or 90% of people on that single leg, I'm going to take them down, and I'm not going to get submitted. So then I'm like, okay, well, now I've got the confidence to yeah. know that if I get that single leg, I'm going to take them down. So then I would, I would figure out creative ways of getting to that single leg where I feel like most people start from the shooting part and they shoot and they get sprawled on squished. Or if they got the leg, they just get destroyed and they lose a lot of confidence. Like, well, why am I going to shoot? Because he's going to sprawl on my face. But I feel like you can, you can kind of hack that by starting at the back end of something and like for it could be even taking the back. It could be like submitting someone from the back. And you, yeah. you get like kids are great with this. I know another instructor that's got great kids. And what he does is he'll like start them on the back. They get so good at choking that they just they like I want to get the back because I know I'll finish them. Yeah, so they get yeah, so creative yeah. and and they figured out their own little ways and of of finding so the back. You see, the confidence is a huge element. Like yeah. once you start believing, and that's why it's so important that you actually get that like uh, get that repetition and like a confidence choking someone out. I feel that some of my biggest leaps in jiu-jitsu, and this is contrary to what a lot of people believe in, was training with the same person over and over and over. And the reason for that is like we'd reach these roadblocks. It's like a stalemate. But that would force me to elevate the bar in that position to the point where I was so confident when I got to that's that's when you develop a, a game, so to speak, right? Yeah. I'm in your half guard every day, can't pass, can't pass, can't pass. I figure something that outdoes your half guard. You, it's an arms race, right? You figure something out that stops that pass and so on. So now the bar has been elevated so high in that specific situation. When I go to competition, I'm like, you're Roger Gracie doing this choke right here, literally. Yeah. This choke right here is like it's the first thing you learn as a white belt. I 100 you know? agree. Yeah. I, I wanted to say it myself. I'm glad you did. I, I think that a lot of people, and it's a, it's a misinterpretation that competition is is a dictator of who the best grappler is. It's yeah. not really because you can have, let's say, you guys train together every day, yeah. and you develop so much information on a particular area, but then I've worked on something very different that you've never seen before, and I yeah. come into competition, I choke you straight away. Does not mean I'm the better. I'm the better. Yeah. It's just something that you're you're unaware of, and you haven't. But if we train together, you figure that kind of stuff out, and then suddenly it's very different. I think that people, for example, like uh, at the ADCC on the weekend, yeah. Rocky comes in there, works a specific, specific, <laughs> specific, <laughs> attacking on the legs. Yeah. I know he was working on a different sort of style of it, and the guys he's fighting are unbelievably good guys, and um, and if you put like. Their records compared to Lachlan's, they're much they're uh, higher level. Yeah. yeah, yeah, big time. But Lachlan found a tiny little area that they allowed him to play in that Lachlan has better, you know, more experience and better leg locks than what they do so he can take advantage of that. And competition is exploited, you know, everywhere like that. You'll see some guy coming like Craig when he first came in, destroyed everyone on the leg locks, people start figuring it out. Now, they're, he's still doing really well, but he's had to evolve and change different yes. things. So I, I think it's 100% what you said is perfect, is you need someone that, you know, you get to here, and then they change, and you keep evolving. And then yeah. you, you're using the Socratic method of why can't I pass yeah. this to get more and more information. And then, obviously, you look at the best teams, and this is where I think people get really mistaken, and I'm not going to name names, but they say this guy is the god of teaching and, and stuff like that. Look at all these guys there. I'm like, yeah, okay, look at them all. This guy started here, this guy started here, this guy started They're all black belts and they come together and they're all getting really good now. So yeah. if you put them in the and same environment, they're going to be forced. It's, and it's funny because I, 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 like, I like that you brought this up because to me, like the whole 
um, the, the the goat thing. That seems to be a term. I didn't even know what that was like six, six months ago. <laughs> like every time I go on Instagram, there's goat this and goat that. And it is like like a dictatorship where people, we, we take the thing in hierarchies. That's how humans are. We set a hierarchy of the best submission. It's a typical white belt question, right? What's the best takedown? What they're really saying is like, I really wanted to have this much information. I don't want to hold on to all that other stuff. It's too much, right? What's the best one? So we have this obsession with like, with all these things like uh, the best coach or the best technique or the best fighter. Talk about how you feel, because I feel I have a suspicion you're going to agree with, you guys are going to agree with me on this one, is how arbitrary that is to name someone like the best of all time. Because when you really think about it, there's so much going on, and it varies so much over time, and it's so unfair with the second place, which sometimes is like half a second slower than the first place. Yeah. No one remembers second yeah. place, yeah. and he's just as good. He might be even better. But he had like uh, he got an argument with his girlfriend that morning, yeah. and that kind of ruined his day. But no one's gonna remember that guy, even though he was only like half a second slower. Or whatever. I, I said the same thing when Hodger beat Buchecha, uh maybe two years ago when they had that super fight. Yeah, and everyone's like, Hodger's so much better than Buchecha. Like, listen, yeah, you know, he got into a good start and he, he finished. And he did well. I'm like, Hodger's amazing. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's yeah. definitely one of the best ever. It, it's not like it doesn't mean as much as what people think. Yeah. You know, and I've been saying I when I fought I fought Gary Tonin in, in Metamoris and he guillotined me really quickly and just got it good. And I got yeah. you know, and people just like, Man, Kit sucks. Like crap. <laughs> yeah, I guarantee if we rolled more, it would you know, this, it would change a lot. Yeah. It would evolve something yeah. very different. Uh, he's a great grappler and I, I'm not trying to say that I beat him or anything like that. But the the, the outcome yeah. is is very different to, you know, what's really going on. And like you said, there's so many different little things that may and you can shoot and slip on a little bit of sweat, and that's yeah. why you didn't get your leverage. And suddenly he's on your neck. Or... You got a silver Olympic medal, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think there's a lot going on there. And people, I think fans in particular, especially like the more the beginners, they tend to be less mature in this regard, and they make a lot of judgments based off of like you know these small pieces of information. Or clearly, this person is much better than the second place because he finished him in ten seconds. Yeah. That's how dominant he is. Like it doesn't work. That yeah. Way. People yeah. are so fickle, and especially if you see like an MMA, like if someone gets knocked oh, yeah. out, it's like oh he's done. Yeah. Like, you know. Like, like Whitaker just lost a, a fight, you know, and now I'm sh- there's people like, oh, he sucks. He was exposed. But, you know, he was never really any good. You know, Adesanya was a true champion. Like, yeah. God's sake, man. Like, <laughs> lots of insult like, MMA yeah. fans, but they t- tend to be the less educated, too. Like, it's poor. Like, they're most opinionated. There's a quote that I love. It's one of my, my favorite quotes of all time by Bertrand Russell. And it goes like this. The problem with the world is that smart people are full of doubt. And stupid people are full of confidence. <laughs> you yeah. know, isn't that always yeah. like I felt like when I was a blue belt, that's when I was the most confident about my jiu-jitsu. Yeah. When I was a blue belt, I was like, I got this. I got like five half guard sweeps. I'm good. You uh-huh. know? Uh-huh. But it, and as you get better, that's when you're like, oh man, like you put your humble hat on and you, you learn these lessons, right? Yeah. But I feel like MMA fans are probably the worst example. They're so, because they're so opinionated. Yeah. And you they've know, never stepped foot in the gym. The yeah. thing is, it's also easier to follow, right? Like a sport like jiu-jitsu is a lot more complicated. If I just grab the random guy and like, okay, explain what's going on between, uh, you know, Musemi and whoever else doing Barimbalos. They have no idea. Yeah. So they, they can't really comment as much and they're not going to pr- probably watch. So like, the only people watching are, like you said, people who actually train. So they're knowledgeable so they tend to be a little better as a fan, you know? Whereas in MMA, anybody can watch it and say, oh, that guy's punching him. He's winning. Mm-hmm. And pretty much that's how the judging works. Oh, the guy's on top. He's yeah. winning. Yeah. Right? <laughs> So I think that's why we'll give a lot of, knuck- lot of knuckleheads that just don't really know what's going on and they'll just say whatever they think. You I know? think that it's a way of compensating their lack of like depth and analysis is that they 
will try to compensate by being very, very confident to make it sound convincing. Yeah. Because you know how people are, if I speak with confidence, sometimes you can say the most obnoxious things. When you speak with confidence, people like, they, they tend to believe, because a lot of times people aren't analyzing what you're saying. They're looking at body language, the tone of your voice, eye contact. That's how con artists get away with this. They'll look you in the eye and they'll tell you exactly what you want to hear and they sound so convincing. It's like you shut off your analytical brain and you let your, you know, and, and you, 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 emotionally, you want to listen to that. You want to yeah. absorb that. But you, want, you want that to be true, right? So you fall for it. And I think that I almost feel like people that are overconfident about their statements about fighting in general. It's a way of making up for the fact that they haven't given a lot of thought. Yeah. I, you, I don't know if you've seen the new Joker film. Anyone seen no, it? No, I want to see it. Okay. I, when you see it, you'll see there's a similar thing in that where I didn't want to say it now because I don't want to rule it for you. But yeah. like, there's a, you'll see the same theme in that where a lot of people just follow someone for the wrong reasons and not really yeah. know why. Yeah. And sometimes these guys don't even mean to be, you know, uh, leaders, and they're not really like they say. Like I could say something and have no meaning to it, and someone takes it. And go, but Kit said this and stuff. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I was fucking high when I said that. And I don't smoke around, but you know, <laughs> I could, it could have yeah. been. I was saying it in context, and people do this all the time in politics or you know, social media. They take something you said completely out of context. And then that's what they judge you by and stuff like that. It's just a horrible situation. And I feel like you guys are spot on with that. Uh, anyone can follow mixed martial arts because anyone knows what a fight looks like. So most of the people that are following have never done it. Most people are not going to sit there and follow and comment on jiu-jitsu if they've never done it because it looks it looks messy and not very enjoyable unless you know what's going on. Yeah, yeah I think in MMA, it's simple enough for people to understand. Yeah, you know, you get punch. punched in the head, you're losing. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you're punching, you're winning. It's very generally speaking in their minds, which is normally the truth. If you're on top, you're winning. If you're bottom, you're losing, and so on. Where jujitsu tends to be far. I mean, I'm, my mom was a bit far microholic. She till this day, she has no idea was winning. <laughs> like she, you can, she's like, I know you're supposed to tap. That's about uh-huh. that's the, her problem. Yeah. He was on top. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, jujitsu tends to be complicated. With with what you said, and I feel like we could all probably associate with this uh, as competitors. It's very frustrating because a lot of people don't see what's going on behind the you know behind the scenes. I, I've had matches where I haven't trained all month and I've I've had to compete. I've been injured. You've had injuries. You've had surgeries. You've had surgeries and injuries. It's it's really tough because you know that these guys are sitting there and judging. You know, doesn't matter what you've done. You go out there and you make one mistake out there, you suck. Why am I? Is he even relevant anymore? Why do we listen yeah. to him? They don't really realize that. Hey, you know, my elbow's not straightening or bending anymore. My left knee, oh, you know, no. I've got no cartilage in this left knee. I've had surgeries. I've got, you know, I don't have that. You know, you're, you're, you're looking at, and look, Nicky Rod's a great example of this where it doesn't have a lot of jiu-jitsu, great wrestling, physically uh, amazing. Very athletic, yeah. And you put him with a guy that's much better than him technically, but without that physicality, and he's still going to make him look shit. You know what I mean? He's going to destroy him. And then people be like, oh, that guy sucked. Like, I think people are saying about Cyborg, you know, Cyborg sucked and stuff. It's like, no, it's not. It's so yeah. disrespectful. Yeah. It blows my mind, you know. But, um, yeah, man, I think that I always remind myself, like, beware of the little man, man. Like, sometimes that it's the, the, the highly opinionated people in the sport. Like, I try to, I mean, it's, I think, majority of fans, that they're, they're very opinionated like that. But you, got, you just got to. I try to. I tell myself not to take it too seriously. They're yeah. probably mostly white belts. You know? I think you do a really good job of that. I watch. You know, I sit there and look, and I try not to comment or like anything as well. But I think you do really good uh, on just being. I to- I, sure I bite my that. tongue. I, mean, I, you know, I think that the best time, the way to talk to trolls in general, is to try to be respectful and understand their position and try to explain to them why they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And I find that a lot of times when I do that, I unarm them. 
because they want to talk shit. And I'm not good at talking shit. I'm, I suck at it. I did it once with, with I'm not going to mention his name. <laughs> I, I can't, I'm not good at it. You know, like I, it's not something. If I were, I probably, I would probably avoid it anyway. But I think that's what, you know, as you know, you're, you're a personality. And, you know, I feel that a lot of people would are going to attack you regardless of how well you do in your life. And you know what I'm talking about. But I think the best way to deal with this is just to be respectful and try to understand their position and explain to them as reasonably as possible why they're wrong. Yeah. And you see straight away they inbox you and they become your best friend. That yeah, happens all the time. Uh, yeah. Next thing you know, they're messaging me. Next thing you know, they're like, oh, I want to take a private from you. Yeah. And they were, this guy was like talking mad shit to me. Yeah. yeah. It happens all the time. And it, because sometimes when people are going, they just want the attention. And I've had people who talk crap and then, you know, just like Rob saying, I've always used that same approach. I, I kill them with kindness. Yeah. Right? And then they're like, oh, you know, I was just joking or I didn't mean that or oh, I'm really actually a fan of yours or, you know, like, it, it always changes, right? Like, and if people want to start shit with you and you're not engaging with them, it's like punching air. Yeah. It yeah. loses steam really fast. It's like, oh, there's, I wanted a conflict and this guy's not giving it to me. Yeah. I'm going to move on now. You yeah. Know? I used to first, I mean, I've been a hater as well. I know what it's like to be on the other end of that. And you see people doing really well and you feel just so insecure by their success. So like you go in there and you'll, you'll write something to hope that it puts them down a little bit, yeah. makes them feel a little bit more like you. And Instead it's of elevating yourself, trying to bring the yeah, person. Yeah, you're trying to bring them down. And so now being in the other position, and at first it wasn't, like I didn't really react well at first. Anytime someone attacked me, I'd attack back. And I would try and, yeah. you know, uh, try and get one over them and embarrass them or, you know. But now I try and just either ignore them, and it's a lot easier to ignore, or try and reply kindly and i get this like, it's hard. yeah it's <laughs> it's really fun you know people think it's yeah. easy to react yeah. and think they're it's like it's not that's like no well it's, it's easy know, to react it's hard like meditate it's a form of meditation so for it's an exercise it's training that's what i tell myself sometimes if i can keep my composure when i'm about to lose it it's like a form of mental training like yeah. i'm making myself more in control of my because i ultimately i would love to be in complete control of my emotions i'm not uh-huh. But I strive for that. Like I like to. I think emotion has a place in everything you do. It's it's normal and healthy to get angry sometimes. I think there's a room. There's a reason why nature, that programmed us with all these like things like like anger. Like I think they do play a role in society. But I would like it to be something I control entirely. So when I see these challenges, it's almost like it's training. It's hard training. Biting your tongue when someone's attacking you and sold, especially when they're full of it and you know they're full of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like lifting heavy weights, man. Just making it stronger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and at the end of the day, what people say to you are generally, I don't know, this is a little metaphysical, but I think it's just a reflection of their own opinions on themselves that they draw on you, you know? So I always felt like the martial arts in general is about self-mastery, yeah. right? And that means using yourself as the barometer of your skill and who you are as a person. Like, you can't tell me who I am, right? That's, that's something only I can do. So if you're going to talk crap about me, it doesn't really bother me, right? If you allow other people's opinions to affect you, you'll never be at peace. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter who you are, there's always someone that hates you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even even Jesus. even Jesus, I was about to say, even Jesus Christ. You know? I told myself, <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi was a pretty nice guy. He got killed by his own people. And all he talked about was peace. You know, and he still killed them. So, right, so like, yeah, you can't win that you know, argument. So that's what you require for self-validation. And you need other people to give you the validation. You're going to be miserable for your whole life. Yeah. You know, like you need to be able to it's, self-realize. Yeah, because at the end of the day, man, and I'm sure you guys agree with me. Like it's, you're, you're spinning... 100% of your day with yourself. And if you're not content with what's in there, it doesn't matter what the world thinks of you. If they think the world of you are absolutely nothing of you, it makes no difference because you spend 100% of your day with yourself. You got to look inside yeah. and go, I'm completely happy with what's in there. 
Yeah. Right? And what you're not happy about, you got to change. And then we're all working on that. I got many things about myself, I'm sure you guys could working on, right? But I think that's what it comes down to. So like, that's why I tell myself, like, no, don't, don't take it too seriously, you know? Which sometimes I think we all do. Like, there's things that, yeah. you know, that everyone's got a button, yeah. you know? And I have my own buttons. But, like, it's something that um, I think, like, it's a martial artist journey. Like, it's part of your evolution. And the beautiful thing is I thought martial arts was only about technique. But now I see this other side of, like, it's about improving on yourself mm-hmm. because you're constantly confronted with yeah. these situations. And they have to do with controlling your emotions. Competition is one aspect of this, right? But uh, it's it, it, there's so much more going on as as far as your your, your development as a human being. I, I think a lot of people struggle with understanding that it, not just in sport, in acting, especially like anything that you're praised for what you do, and then suddenly and that it's always going to dissipate. Uh, for example, like you can do really well. When I first came into jujitsu, I had a lot of praise because you know I come out of nowhere and I was one of the first Australians to do really well, and uh, and I would do a lot of comedy stuff, so they liked me. And then when I started moving away from jiu-jitsu and I wasn't doing as well, I wasn't competing as much, suddenly though you don't have that kind of respect that you used to get that made made you feel really good. Like a lot of like my confidence at the beginning was superficial because it was based on my environment. Who was talking to me? Who was saying these things about me? Uh, and I think actors have a very similar situation when they're doing really well in a big movie and they're suddenly a star. And then they haven't had a movie for five, six years and suddenly no one really cares much, as much about them and they start doing you know, drugs or partying or anything that gives them that kind of high that they used yeah. to get. And I think it's important. And I'm hoping that anyone that's watching that's going through that progression or in any area of life understands not to get too attached to that because yeah. we'll always fade. And if you get yeah. attached to that, you're going to get attached to the opposite when it does yeah. come. I think it's important to enjoy it. Don't understand, it, don't it becomes enjoy an it. addiction. Yeah. It is like I'll, I, I compare a lot of these feelings, these attachments you're talking about to a drug like crack. Yeah. Crack must feel incredible because people get on and they can never get off. He must have been doing it to be doing drilling like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> but like if people, it's, I'm sure that there's a reward to that, but there's a cost as well, mm-hmm. right? And this is where when, I, when I'm talking about being in control, like that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's like not allowing anything that is addicting to be out of your control. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, sometimes I, I see like guys like Connor doing stuff like throwing a trolley at a bus or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's intentional. I think he knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows he's going to lose a lot of money, but he's so addicted to the headline. He's mm-hmm. got to do something. Yeah. Right. It's like yeah. you can't be fighting every month. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't. You can't do it. Right. He's going to fight once a year, once every two years, whatever. But he wants to get a headline every week. Yeah. So for you to do that, you got to get married to a new celebrity every other week. You got to be beating someone up, breaking something, like stirring shit up. Because if you were acted like a normal human being, normal is not entertaining. Yeah, right. I think 100%. Because I was thinking that the other day. I'm looking at him and I'm like, he's got so much money now. Doesn't need to worry about money. He's already solidified himself as one of the greatest martial artists. Why is he still fighting? And I was trying to think. I was like, he doesn't need the money. He doesn't. So it is. You know, you hit it's it's the an head addiction. Right there. Yeah. yeah. I think Jim Morrison said, and I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of, "Like fame is like an addiction. You know it's killing you, but you can't get rid of it either." Yeah. And you yeah. know, it was like he was. It was destroying him. He knew it, but he was like so deeply addicted to it at the same time. It is like it's enticing. I like like if I walk somewhere and someone's like. Can I get a photo with you? Man, it feels good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I got to try. Like, I've tried now to not, you know, get attached to that. And I know, especially because I've had, like, like the success in jiu-jitsu. And now I'm going into film. And I know as that builds up, that's going to be amplified, you know, a hundred times. There's a lot more people watching film than what there is in, in jiu-jitsu right now. And I really got to make sure I, I, I stay onto that because I know that could definitely lead me down the wrong hole. You, you know one thing that really helps? I've never been in that situation, but I would imagine is having a solid network of people around you 
kind of reminding you who you really are, putting you back in your place every now and then. I don't know, it could be a wife, a brother, a dad, a mom, like someone you can trust and kind of like bringing you back to earth. Because I feel like a lot of people that go down that rabbit hole are people that have the wrong people around them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I'm a bit like that. Like if I have the right people around me, I feel like the sky's the limit. Anything I do, there's nothing I can't do, mm-hmm. right, in my head. Mm-hmm. And then when I have the wrong people around me, it's, I feel that, like, I feel like, man, like impotent, man. Like, I'm crippled. Like, I can't, you know, so I'm very, to me, that, that sort of emotional connection is super important to me. And I've been in situations in my life where when the right people are around me, dude, like, I'll win ADCC. Mm-hmm. The wrong people around me, man, like, my, my life just goes down in a spiral. And I'm, I mean, me and Dave talk about this, like, the, the social aspect of anyone's career, not just fight. I'm sure it's the same in acting, music, whatever you do. It's such an important element of the equation. Like, but people don't talk about it a lot. Yeah. But like, there's this whole foundation behind anyone successful that people don't always see. Uh-huh. Like, how do you, I mean, do you feel you, 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 you're a very successful guy in jiu-jitsu now and acting. And how do you feel about that? I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's like something that you never get taught. You don't understand. And you kind of, it's so important. And it's been really difficult for me for, I've been traveling for the last couple of years. I've been in LA now for a year, which has been great. And, and it's the same sort of thing. You're kind of like you're meeting new people. And LA is very different to, to most areas in the world. It's because most people have moved there and they want to make something of themselves. And the m- number one commodity in LA is, you know, who do you know? How much money do you have? So everyone's pretending to have a lot of money and pretending to know, know everyone and be able to help you. It's so, the worst. Yeah. I fell, I fell for that a few times. Those are the worst people in the world. <laughs> they're acting like they have it. Those are the worst guys. Oh, always. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a, a bit of a filtering system right now of like who's genuine and who's not. Yeah. And I've, you know, I'm currently doing that at the moment. But before that was traveling around the world, which is, I mean, it's great for the experience, but it was very hard to have the right people around me. And that's why I like for the ADCC, which is the last competition I ever trained for, two years ago, I went to you guys to have the right people around me. And I did really well. I was very happy with that. I was unlucky. I homolo first round. We went overtime. I felt like I was winning the match. And then, you know, he ended up putting me in a crank and breaking my teeth. No, it's amazing. Uh, I felt like I could have, you know, done quite well in that competition. Um, And because I had you guys around me to help. If I didn't have that, there's no way I would have done it as well. It's crazy how important that is. I'm sure, like, Dave, we talk about this, like, how my hymnist brother were... You know, yeah. your father seemed to be pretty present too. Like I, I've always felt like I've done better. Like I was saying, like I've always done better whenever I had that coach or that person next to me. And it's crazy because like fighters, you know, I've cornered a lot of MMA fighters at the highest level, and they're even though they're the toughest human beings I know in a lot of ways. Like a lot of times, like emotionally, they there's a huge void there, man. Mm-hmm. Like it's like. It's it's not it's not when you're coaching them you're not just there for technical support. I actually feel that's a smaller number of the yeah. equation. It's it's there. Of course, it's important being a good coach on the technical level, but I find that a lot of times in jujitsu and MMA, the guys who are called the best coaches aren't really necessarily technical wizards. It's more the father figure, the emotional support is just being like, hey, man, everything's gonna be okay. I'm right yeah. here, right next to you, man. Like yeah. we're gonna warm up, we're gonna win that fight. That's huge. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. For, yeah, you know, because what you're saying, everybody says, oh, fighting is an individual sport. It's like, no, not no, really, either, right? Yeah. You might fight there alone physically, but you're carrying a team on your back or that team's supporting you because yeah. you didn't train yourself. Yeah. Uh, you had a lot of people train you and there's just so much pressure and stress when you go to compete that 
having a good coach helps take some of that stress away from you. They make yeah. you a little bit more at home. You know, they they allow they take some of that load from you so that you can just focus on one thing. You yeah. know, yeah, I agree with both of you. And I think uh, another, I mean, I think a reasoning behind that is if you look at martial arts, for example, if you want to make money doing martial arts. Yeah, there's a million ways you could do, make money, more money, without taking the amount of damage and having to put as much work as, as you will put into martial arts. The same thing in acting. It's like the people that really follow that route are usually obsessed with something or running away from something. And for, for me, for example, I got into martial arts because I was petrified. I had no confidence. I was very scared. So I wanted to do something that, to give me that. And I think a lot of people got into martial arts and they may be... Uh, socially awkward uh they may not have any kind of intelligence outside of martial arts and suddenly they become really good and people start listening to them but the shit they're talking is like is no value at all and it's a lot of time i mean we'd all see this the same thing actors get up there and they start talking about stuff they have no idea about because no look you're an amazing actor because you've put all this time in yeah. acting but you didn't put any time into anything else yeah. so yeah. the value that you have is in teaching acting stick to that some people obviously uh, like yourselves have much more value everywhere else but there's a lot of people that do that and i think because you know to to really put their work in to become an actor to become a martial artist to become one of the best in the world you have to put so much work in and sacrifice so much and most normal people that are quite content are not going to do that if you're, if you're quite happy with who you are and what you're doing you're probably never going to become a martial artist <laughs> there's got to be yeah, some reasons to push you in yeah. there yeah i agree i think there's a like rob i mentioned it before too like there's a progression and like I started martial arts for the same reason, self-defense. But then it, it, the purpose changes. Yeah. Right? I think someone had posted on Instagram, what's the point of training martial arts or whatnot? It's like, well, for me, I think most people's path usually starts self-defense based at some point. But then it starts to change as you get more involved, right? Like you start competing or you start training a lot. And then it's like, oh, now I just want to get better. I want to prove myself. And mm -hmm. that's what competition is yeah. really all about. It's proving yourself. And you're, you're, you're putting a, a hard challenge in front of you to see what you're made of. It's the good ego. Yeah. Right. Like we had Mike Musumesi here a while ago. We were talking about ego. Like ego is one of those things if you steer it in the right direction and you internalize it, right? Like not you're constantly in a state of being upset at yourself for not being better. That's a huge catapult. That's mm -hmm. a trampoline because the second, the second you're content, why, why try it? Why yeah, yeah. bother? Why push that threshold? If you're content squatting 200 or whatever, you know, if you're content, yeah. like if I train with you and I tap you once and I'm completely okay with that, what is the likelihood of me tapping you twice tomorrow? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. you, you completely, and it's so convenient. Like, and this is what probably more thing, me and Dave talk about this all the time, but it's such a, uh, uh, um, an important aspect of your growth as a martial artist or anything you do is not to be accepting of where you currently stand. Yeah, yeah. That's... Uh, yeah, I was going to say that, adding to that, the, for me now, the point has changed again, right? Because I'm not competing anymore. I'm not going out there to prove myself anymore. It's now about self-mastery, right? Now I'm trying to build the best me that I can possible. Um, dieting, I'm starting to do weight training, I fixed my knee, mm -hmm. fixed my shoulder. I'm trying to take care of myself for the long haul now, right? I think ultimately that's one of the ultimate goals once you mature yourself in the martial arts because that's the goal that translates to all aspects of your life, right? Like everybody can be better. Mm -hmm. There's never a point where you're like, oh, I've achieved perfection. It hasn't happened for anybody yet. So I, I feel that's like the most mature goal that you can have and that's what I'm striving to do, you know? And I think a lot of people have it skewed now because the rise of social media and how easy it is to be famous now, not easy, but like 
it's accessible to everybody, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. there was a time before internet where, yeah. like, to get on TV, you had to have some amazing connections and know the right people. Yeah. Where I think now you can build your own celebrity with good content. Yeah. You know, which is a which is awesome because it gives kind of an equality now. Now, like, if you have powerful it's content, democratic. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's opened up. But going back to what you said, you 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 hit the nail on the head. You said I'm working on self improvement. I think a lot of people they have. Their idea of success is what's wrong because success does not, to me at least, maybe we differ, people can yeah. differ here and disagree, but success to me is what you said, being a better version of yourself every day, right? Whereas a lot of people think success is like how much money you have or whatever, you know, and I don't, I, I never felt that or like a, a I always felt that as shallow pursuit for a martial artist. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, and I was getting to that because what's happened now, when me and you got into the sport, there was no money in it. There was no fame. You were essentially going into someone's garage or something to fight just because you wanted the challenge. But now it's like there is money, there is fame in MMA and somewhat in grappling. So you might get into it just to become famous. You know, like people who, you know, are in high school and they want to be in the NFL – because they're like, oh, that's my meal ticket, right? You know, I don't have, I don't come from a good upbringing. I don't have a good education, but I'm athletic. I can go into football and make something of myself, right? So I think now there's some of that in martial arts. Mm -hmm. So that's why I call it contrast between a fighter and a martial artist, where yeah. a fighter is like an athlete. He's just there because he's trying to be the best, make as much money, be as famous as possible. Whereas the martial artist is someone who, like, has gone through the whole journey and they're in it for the long haul. Yeah. It's an evolution. Yeah. I didn't think, I mean, I, I'm sure you didn't think like that 20 years ago. You know? No, like, it's, it's always changing. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and this is, the, this is the situation I'm in at the moment where I like competing because I step outside my comfort zone and I, I feel like I grow every single time. It's not so much, for me, it's not really about winning anymore. I mean, it'd be great to win. Uh, but I definitely don't care about it near as much as what most people do. For example, if I really cared about it, I'd be training three times a day. I'd be doing strength and conditioning. I'd probably be doing steroids as well. You know, I'd be doing everything I could to like to to make sure that I, I, I win. But for me, it's more about the just growing as a human and having fun because I feel like now I don't have the pressure to like to compete really well. I'm doing it and I'm enjoying a lot a lot more. The problem, on the other hand, is I'm also an online coach now, and I and I, and I teach jujitsu and I teach seminars, and I don't want people to misinterpret my ability to compete now in my broken state that I am physically, and think, oh, that's what you know, that's what kid is and stuff like that. So that's kind of one thing that pushes me away from competition as much because I know how heavy you're judged on it, and people don't understand that's what's true. going on. People don't know, like, oh, they just see you lose. They don't realize, okay. He got, you know, he hasn't been trained for six weeks because he got a knee injury and, and whatnot. And I still want to compete because I like competing, even if I'm not super fit. But that's the the situation I'm in right now, and that's probably why I step at, I'm stepping away from competing so much and more and working on the coaching because I, I find I have a lot more enjoyment from I get a lot more enjoyment. It's better for me to to teach someone or to help someone get better. Than what it is for me to compete and show what I, you know, my skills on, on, on a stage anymore. I just don't have that that drive and that passion. Uh, but that's the situation. I mean, that's why I feel like I'm moving away from competition, and I'll still train when I do, but it'll be more for you know my own enjoyment than anything. I think it's a, what a beautiful place it is to be to be able to train jujitsu and not have to, you know, it's not a life and death situation if you win or lose. Because I feel like I'm in that transition now after retirement. 
And I actually like jujitsu more in a lot of ways now. Because, like, before, like, if someone passed my guard, I'd be like, it's the end of the world, you know? Like, yeah. no, seriously, like, I'd uh-huh. lose my, if someone scored a point on me in practice, I'd lose it. Like, uh-huh. now, I care, but not that much. Yeah. I cared less in a lot of ways. And I think that as a competitor, it's a horrible way of thinking, not caring. If you're a competitor, you're fighting. It's you a competition. Should, yeah, yeah. You should care, right? Yeah. On a very deep level, it should mean something to you. Whereas now, it's like, it's, it's, I enjoy it for what it is. It's yeah. more of a, not a means to an end in the jiu-jitsu because is becoming slowly to me personally uh, an end in itself. Yeah, yeah. And you guys obviously have other things that you're working on and building on yourself and you can't spend all your time just doing jiu-jitsu if you want to develop as a human in, yeah. in every other area. Yeah. I think, you know, jiu-jitsu has got to be, you know, a part of it, of course, or it doesn't have to be, but it is a part of it. But there's so many different areas that, you know, we're working in. And for, for me, like I'm trying to work through the... The film industry right now not just as an actor but i want to i want to write more i want to learn how to direct eventually and you know and probably get more in pr- producing and stuff eventually so there's so many things i need to learn in that area that takes away my time from being able to spend in that but you know it, it's the same problem everyone has but it, that's i think the biggest problem i've had in my career is i've always had five or six different things that i'm doing rather than just one and yeah. i felt like if i if i just let's say if it was just jujitsu the whole time I feel like I, you know, could have had a, you know, a resume similar to, to yours and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But because, not saying because, you know, but I had a lot of other things. So I feel like I definitely didn't do as well as what I could have. And some people sort of ask me that, you know, do you feel like that? I, it doesn't bother me too much till they ask me that. And I'm like, oh, maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that till then. But, you know, I do have other things. And I think yeah. that for me, once the film and stuff blows up and starts doing really well, I'll be a lot more satisfied with, okay, I'm glad I did that. Yeah. But at the moment, it's like I've, I had something I'm building and I'm kind of leaving it there to go something down here that's like really nothing. And it, it takes it's courage, hard though. from that. It takes courage. It's hard yeah. to do. Yeah, but you're, you're starting a new journey. You know, I think, like you said, like after you've been on a certain path for a while, it's not as stimulating because you've seen more. There's diminishing gains, right? Yeah. Like, so you're starting a new path and I'm sure you're going to kill it. Gains. That's, a, that's a good way to put it. But uh, I, I did want to ask you about the online coaching because I know that's something that you've transitioned into and you've done really well with it. And I think you also offer a very unique perspective as uh, most instructional courses and online stuff, they're focusing, okay, learn XYZ technique like this. Whereas uh, I have the pleasure of joining you in a seminar and you're teaching it. And it's a very, very different approach where you're doing more about like you said, the why of certain concepts, and it's kind of open-ended, you know? Yeah. So I think it was kind of a very unique twist on things. So I don't know if you can yeah. talk about, like, how did you, I guess, go into that teaching mode? Because most people don't really teach specifically that way. Yeah. Like, you know, like even myself, like, I do teach, like, certain concepts when I teach, like, a Kimura or something like that, but it's not completely conceptual. Like, yeah. yours is well, more like... Well, I think that... Uh, straight away I, I teach like that because that's the way I like to teach and that's the way I learned jiu-jitsu so I prefer to teach more theoretically than practically and I think there's, there's just so many people doing the practical stuff like yourself so many amazing coaches that can teach technically and, and most likely better than what I can teach technically but I've gone to a niche part of the industry that most people don't focus on which is like the the theoretical aspect of jiu-jitsu and understanding jiu-jitsu so I feel like most people are teaching people what to do. I'm trying to teach people why they should do that. And I'm also trying to look at teaching people how to learn. I think like one of the most important things in, in learning anything is learning, like 
understanding how you actually learn. How does my brain, you know, figure this out? How does my brain absorb this information? So I've tried to really sort of corner that market of the, of the game and steer away from techniques because occasionally someone will ask me like, why don't you do some technique stuff? And it's like, it's already there. It's plenty, yeah, I go agree to, with go you. To Rob's, go to Dave's, yeah. like, they've got the techniques there. Yeah. Uh, but if you want the, the mental stuff, that's more what I do. You know about the mental stuff. I think it's, first of all, it's far more important. I think it's, it's the biggest, it's the most important thing in the whole equation here is what? Is how do we, you know, how to get your mind ready to win, right? There's a number of factors that go into that. And we can talk about that some other time. But like, there's a hyper focus on the technique, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like obsessed. If I only learn one more sweep from open guard, then I'll win a world title. I'm like, dude, you can have two sweeps. Or one mm-hmm. and still win. It's there's this all this other stuff. But the thing about this, the psychological aspect you're talking about, I, I'm just curious to see your product because like I, I don't, I'm not familiar with it. But like it is difficult to teach because you're talking about concepts and you know a lot of it goes back to how to emotions to and how your mind is wired. And some people I think they really struggle with competition and you know being competitive. Like I've had people like walk up to me, and go, Rob, I, I I know what you're talking about that I need to be more competitive, I just can't do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're trying, you can see they're trying to change that about themselves, but they really struggle. And it's the, the psychological aspect is the most important, but it's hard to teach. Yeah, yeah, I think with that, you have to lead by example more than anything. And I, I definitely don't try and teach people to get into like that, that competitive mindset. Uh, it's more what I try and teach people is to understand how they learn things and how their brain works and, and why certain things will help you and, and to how to maximize your training to get the best results. And I feel like at the moment, most people, and it's like the 80-20 rule that Wilfredo Prado come up with, that 20% of your results come from 80% of your actions and 80% of your results come from 20% of your actions. So I feel like I've, I've found a good position and a good area that I can tell you what that 20% is and get you to throw away the other 80% that gives you such little returns yeah. and focus mainly on what that is, which is skill acquisition, which yeah. is what we, we talked about at the start. Just basically creating better problem solvers, which then creates better artists because yeah. you you go through it yourself. So all I'm really trying to do is create a platform to help people get the best out of themselves because yeah. I think a lot of people get they get mistaken by trying to mechanically get the best out of someone. Like, I'm going to teach you how to get, you know, how to be the best you are. You can't do that. All you can do is create a safe environment for them to develop that themselves. So I'm trying to do that. I just, I've just created a, a product that's it's about, most of my products are like one hour long and I, they're more specific on certain areas like the art of learning jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. was basically explaining my methodology of learning and how to change the way you look at jiu-jitsu to maximize the results. And it, it blew up. We sold... I think 15,000 copies of, of that one. I'm and still in your idea, feedback. by the way. That's my next prize. <laughs> like, we're in competition, kid. Damn it. <laughs> Open my mind. I'm not even bullshit. You actually gave me a lot of ideas. Good, good. good. I think I'm going to steal kids' program. It is, it is a great thing. We should do something together. No, man. No, no, because what you're saying, man, is something I've always believed in. I've always thought. And I, like, I thought about I'm going to an open guard DVD. And I'm going, why on earth would I do it? You know how many times it's been done? You, I, I, can't, I can't compete with Rafael Mendes there. I'm not going to be honest with you. I can't, you know. But I feel that, you know, what you're describing is something that maybe you can add something that is more important. And yeah. might open a window. Because maybe they don't get all of it, right, Kit? But if, if they sometimes, I don't know, sure this has happened to you guys. Someone says something and it opens like a whole new yeah. set of doors. Like, yeah, oh, I never thought like, about that, right? It's a concept. Yeah. And it goes, and a whole world expands right in front of you. And that's huge, man. If you can do... You know, and I understand like your conceptual base, like, and I I could see why you're 
apprehensive of drilling because drilling doesn't generally encourage creativity, yeah. right? Like I said, the sequence I'm talking about, it's all orchestrated already, mm-hmm. right? And in some of these drills. Now, not all the drills are like that, but... They can generate inspiration, though. Yeah. Which I think is a good thing. So I, I think... Uh, and I'm not as against drilling as what most people do. It's more like it's a fun thing. And like that, the whole no drilling, I never ever enforced no one allowed to drill. Like a drill they can do whatever they want. <laughs> Almost drills can do whatever they want. A guy made it and I thought it was funny. Yeah. Um, but I think that like looking at, and I'll look at what you guys do, and I'm not necessarily, let's say, and if you show me something, I'm not going to go back and drill it heaps, but I'm going to look at it and I'm going to think, like, think about it. And it's going to be inspiration for when I'm in that position, then I've got like something. I know it's available. And I might be able to take half of it and go, I really like that half of it, but your legs are a little bit longer here, so it's probably going to create more issues here. And, and just, you know, it's just, it's all inspiration for me. And I, I think, so I think techniques are great for that. And I'm definitely not against that. And I, I think that, you know, people with technique videos, buy those videos. I, I never say don't don't buy someone's videos because they're, they're telling you to drill. I mean, do that. But don't go crazy with the drilling. Try and, uh, you know, understand why those techniques work, which is a, a, a thing that most coaches really struggle to to inter, uh, to articulate. And I know you guys don't because I, I remember when I first, especially when I first come to you and you and Kabaka were there, and I love the way you guys were teaching because you were explaining like why we're doing certain things and more what was going through your head than just what you're physically doing. And you're the same. You helped me a lot with the wrestling with that. And I, I wish more coaches, coaches would focus on that. And that's kind of like the, the new product that I've got, and I, I haven't named it yet, uh, but it drops on the 12th of October. It's going to be five and a half hours long and it's going to basically cover like all my, all the reason why I train the way I am, how to do it yourself, how to basically structure your training to get the best out of yourself. And I'm not pretending that I'm going to like, you know, create any little clones of me. That's not at all what it's about. It's about giving you the same information that I had to get my black belt in four years so that you can do the same thing, if not better, or, you know, however you want to do it. But that, that's what more, it's like a theory. It's more like a, uh, you know, when you go into a lecture than what it is. There's heaps of, you know, physical stuff as well. And I show heaps of techniques and why I'm doing it. But I'm focusing mainly on the mental area of jiu-jitsu. And I, I'm actually really pumped to, to sell this. I, I shot it with really good quality. Like, I, I, it cost me a fortune. The production value is going to be uh, amazing. We just shot all this B-roll footage two, two days ago. My body, I can barely move now from it. So it, it's going to be like... I, I try to model it on. I don't know if you've ever seen the master classes online, just the general yeah. master classes. The same sort of I platform. I know of it. Yeah. Okay, so they're, they're fantastic. Like I watch the acting ones all the time, directing ones, there's food cooking ones. I try to go basically model that, which I feel like is a really good platform for learning. Stop giving me ideas, kid. And I'm uh, steal them all. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then Robert are going to do one next, so we <laughs> can't steal. It. But that that is the next yeah. step, and it's yeah. funny that you mentioned that because the next step of this was because I, I think BJJ fanatics have done good in the technical side of things. Yeah, but I, there, there's there's no. Other than my, myself, I don't think anyone's really filming no. what we're talking about. And it's about. saturated. Yeah. And there's one reason, like people, like, people are like, why don't you film, Rob? And I'm like, there's always part of me that I don't like doing what everyone else has done. Yeah. Like, it's a part of me. It's like, I, I like what you did, right? Because you got a move that everyone knew, but you created it in, you put it in a, in, in a structured way that really helps people map it out, mm-hmm. right? And I like that. I've never, that, I, that approach I like. But there's always a part of me, like, unless I'm showing something that no one's ever done before, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm more interested in being, like, you know, I don't know, just, like, original, I guess. Yeah. Like, I, I want, one thing I want to do is, you know, this is your opportunity to steal my 
my, my, my idea. Maybe it's not a great one. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> but I, I always wanted to do like something I've always done well is taking the back with the person standing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'll because I got a lot of that from like MMA. So like, I want to do something like that, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Because people like don't know how to take the back when the person's standing up. They think, oh, they jump. Everyone wants to jump. You know, it's like probably the worst thing you can do. So like that's the kind of stuff that's to me is, is interesting. But I love your approach because I I feel it like, like we were discussing. Like, people focus on the technical side. To me, it's like what color do you paint the wall? And that's mm-hmm. great if you want to paint it white brown black whatever color you want but like the structure the blueprint yeah, yeah. there's an that algorithm is, behind that. yes yeah. that is the most important aspect and it's so hard to train and you know me and mikey and david we talked about this extensively but it was i think it's the key ingredient man like that's the common denominator because i know people that never drill the day of their life and win i know people who drill a lot and win hodge grace said the same thing in an interview recently he said he's like i never drill i always do yeah. specific training look yeah. at him yeah, but the I mean, common denominator, I think, is something else. Is what yeah. it's the it's not the color of the wall. It's I would the wall say itself. one thing that's very important, and this is why your your style of teaching is so good, is that you're focusing a lot on the mental aspect, right? And like Rob is saying, everybody looks. It's easy to understand a physical movement when you're watching a video, like oh, but what you're not seeing is what's happening in here, and this is arguably a lot more important yeah. because yeah. this is controlling everything else. And uh, it's one thing I didn't mention, like when I'm doing my drills. There's also an emphasis of what's going through my head as I do the drill, you know. So there's a One specific of tangerine monkeys like ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> a little juggle. Like <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's a lot going on here that I have to orchestrate at the same time because essentially I want to like a golfer. The key thing is having the right mental state when they hit the ball. Yeah. If they can always get the same mental state, they're going to get the same result, which is you know getting a whole one or whatever the case is. The same thing goes with your fighting, with your jiu-jitsu, or anything in your life. If you don't have the right mental state, the physical actions are not going to work right. Yeah. Right? So um, a lot of the, the drilling that I do is focusing on that as well. But the drilling by itself doesn't give you the mechanical understanding that no. you're you're teaching right yeah, you're kind of with, cloning you're replicating you're something. replicating yeah. something that's why i was talking about it, it doesn't inspire creativity in the sense that you're just doing this and you're gonna get good at doing this but then you don't know the next thing because you don't understand the physics behind the move or the reasoning or the timing so i, I used to do this in mathematics and it'll be exactly what you're saying i bet i used to sit there and i'd look at my friend next to me okay and i would see his answer so i would put all these answers on me and then it'd come to test day and i'd be there and he's like 10 meters away somewhere <laughs> I have no idea. I'd sit, I literally wouldn't even fill it out. The teachers would just know what's going on because I never really figured out the algorithm or the formula to those. Yeah. Tech. If I had have like been smarter, I would say, okay, let me get my head around or this cared. formula or cared. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Then I will. Then I'll work it out. And that's what they, those kids. And I think what, what we're both touching on is there is a formula to everything. To, and there is a formula to everything, and most people have figured it out. And I think with when you're talking about painting walls, when I, I paint models as well. But I don't understand the uh, the color palette uh, formula, so I don't know what colors work with what. But the really good people know that, and they have that all there, so they know that the greens and the browns and they have an earthly color, and they give you a certain feeling. Uh, if we go to music, okay, you can I can I know how to imitate people's songs, okay, but I have no idea about music. But if you look at the blue scale, which is a certain scale, if you learn that, 90, I think it's like eighty nine or ninety percent of all songs use the blue scale mm. so you can find that, that is the blue scale yeah we, we need to we need to figure that out yeah. I do as well. I, someone taught me a little bit but i wasn't interested enough to to figure out the blue scale but if i did my guitar work would be a hundred times yeah. better and I, I think that what what 
all three of us offer that we really need to focus on is we know the scales, the algorithms for what we do. And that's what we need to give students rather than just showing, okay, this is the outcome I came up with. We need to give them the information so that they can come up with the same, you know, or their own outcome and create their own artists. Because yes. if you look at all three of us, we're very unique. We're not imitations of anyone. You know, your yeah. style is very unique. Yeah. My style is unique. Yeah. Your style is unique. And people need to understand that they have to do the same route. If they really want that mastery or anything like that, that's the way it is. There's no fast tracking it. There's no copy these techniques and you know drill the, uh, copy the, uh, these techniques and then you're going to be amazing. No, no, you need that information behind there and you need to come up with yourself. And that's why I feel like the conceptual route, which which we all teach in and which I'm selling online, is going to be the future of teaching jiu-jitsu. And I think more and more people are starting yeah. to figure it out. It's just you know there's a lot of people it's, holding on to, the, to all yeah, things. Yeah, it's 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 hard. Like, because uh, I sometimes like I'll, I'll bring it up in class, and you can see that people are interested because they think they I think they recognize it's important, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure. You know, like how many things about yourself that you know you got to change, you know what to do, but you mm -hmm. fall into the habits of not yeah. changing it. Like yeah. I have things like that all the time, right? It's very difficult, but I think it. We, me and Dave were talking about this a while ago. You just got to keep reminding yourself. Yeah, remind yourself until you create that. You know that 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 pathway in your in your brain and. Just it's just a uh, it's, it's awareness, right? The number yeah. one step getting caught in the triangle, not getting caught in the triangle, is recognizing you're about to get caught in the triangle. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I, and I think that as you teach, the more you teach like that, the more you start figuring out easier ways to to get your students to understand what you're saying and to really engage in. When I when I first started teaching this way, it would say the same sort of thing, like people were kind of listening and because uh, I wasn't really articulating it well. Now when I do seminars. It's crazy. People sitting there like this, like listen yeah. everywhere. They're like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Because I feel like I knew, like at first I, I, I had to become self-aware of what was I doing and why was I doing it? And then how can I give that to them? And there's some, there's some amazing athletes everywhere that are not self-aware. And mm -hmm. if they can't give you know what they're doing to that student, they have zero value in, in a coaching sense. Yes. And I, I think that because I know you guys so well and I know you guys coach that, it's a... Uh, it is a waste for you not to to really get that stuff online more for, yeah. for more people to see because I know it's done. One We're gonna have a business discussion that. after this podcast. Me, <laughs> David, and Kit sit down, put together like an amazing product. Like, no, I 100% I agree with you, Kit. I think that. Um, well, you know what? Like overall, like, just to summarize the conversation, I love the what we're, what we're talking about is. Over, it's, it's the evolution of the sport, like how much it's evolved. Even like instruction now is getting to a much higher level. My first instructor in Brazil, I'm not, you know, it's the, probably the way he learned. It was literally like, go. Not even set the timer. It was just like, he'd sit down and say, go. And you just grabbed your partners, whoever it was. And But watching from that to what we're talking about here, it's huge. I mean, we're talking about scientific research that is back in this methodology versus that methodology. And, you know, I... I really appreciate that evolution. I, I as a as a as a as a passionate practitioner of the sport, I love how far we we've come. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Agreed. Agreed. Well, Kit, thank you very much for participating in the show. Let the people know where they can find your your new course. Well, thank you for having me. It's, it's been an awesome conversation. I love hanging out with you guys. So I really appreciate it. Uh, you can find my stuff at kitdaletraining.com. I have uh, all my products there. I think there's seven products, and the new product. I will be launching online. So if you want to follow me at Kit Dale Official on Instagram or Kit Dale on Facebook, uh, I'll be posting it about there. But we're, we're, it's going to be a different platform that we put that, we put that new product on because it's five and a half hours long. 
we're going to use a, a different program called Teachable, which will be uh, okay. nice. different on itself, which I'm super awesome. excited about. So we'll put some links in the description as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Awesome, guys. Thanks for watching. Uh, thank you for being here, Kit. Like, this is, this is a lot of fun. It's one of our best ones yet. I, I had a blast, and I'm sure we'll do this again. You're in Hollywood, so you're going to have to come back here one of these days. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome, guys. All right. Take care. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. It's always fun having Kit Dale on the show. Uh, again, if you guys have uh, any suggestions, comments, please feel free to give us some feedback. It's the best way that uh, me and Robert can learn and make the podcast better. Uh, and um, again, uh, if you can share the links with your friend, just send them to breakingtheguard.com. That's the easiest way to get links to all the different podcast venues, whether it's iTunes or Google Play, YouTube. Just send them to breakingtheguard.com and they'll be able to find which link works best for them. And a final word for our sponsor, which is going to be The Art of Mastering Jiu-Jitsu by Kid Dale. You guys have just heard the podcast with him and he describes his methodology. And as you can see, he's more focused on the, the proper process for learning. And he's done a lot of research on it and he's shown that his uh, style of learning has worked very well. So like I was saying in the beginning, you know, if you found that you've kind of plateaued and you're not making as quick gains as you want, I would heavily advise you to check out Kit Dale's Art of Mastering Jiu-Jitsu. He's made many courses, uh, Art of Learning Jiu-Jitsu series, which has done really well. And he has really upped the game with his new course, The Art of Mastering Jiu-Jitsu. You're going to definitely want to check it out. It's more content than he's ever released. And it goes deeper into the understanding what it takes to master a technique. And that's not necessarily the specific motions but understanding what makes those motions work so that you can modify it and make it your own and i would highly recommend everybody to 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 take a look at it because there's going to be it's very refreshing like i've trained with kit for you know at least over a month and we were doing twice a day sessions so i got a lot of time to work with him and he posed a unique challenge compared to other people that i've trained with because his emphasis on the timing and speed and setting up traps. He, he was a very uh, strategic grappler and very smart grappler. And uh, that's clear in the way he teaches that he's trying to transmit that same information of how he plays the game. And you would be able to learn a lot from that as well. So you can learn more about it by visiting kitdaletraining.com. And uh, there's a link in the description that will take you right to his new uh, product, which is the art of mastering jujitsu. So again, go ahead. You can visit kitdaletraining.com or just get the link from the description that will take you right to the order page for the art of mastering jujitsu.